Well, yes, of course we have a choice. We have free will. Oh, do we? We do. That's not what I've heard. Well, I'm. you're not a Puritan, are you? Uh, probably not. I think. Probably not. So if, if I am, I'm a failed Puritan. <laughs> you have fallen. <laughs> I think they all fell. That was the problem. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, nope. <laughs> Check that. <laughs> that was not a here we go. Take two. <laughs> Take two. podcast the podcast coming to you from the heel of the boot of southwest louisiana i am your host g long sitting across the way the lovely deb hello all hello deb hey how are you doing i'm doing well much better okay yeah been been sick a little bit anyway uh (laughs) hey if you'd like to reach the long in the boot podcast we are always willing to take criticism notes suggestions why do you jump to that first like you want people to I don't know. I don't get that. Anyway, it's a uh, positive. positive. Okay. Well, positive criticism. And uh, <laughs> you can just say hello and be, you know, hello. Yeah. Uh, the email address is long in the boot at gmail.com. The website, uh, long in the boot.com. And the phone number three, three, seven, five, zero, two, nine, zero, one, one. I have now remembered that for many podcasts in a row. Wow. It's not written down. I know. I'm, no, I'm I don't looking, have it I'm looking down. for your, your little pad. I don't have it. I Ooh. got rid of the, took the training wheels off. Look at the big brain on. Yeah, G-Bong. buddy. Well, yeah. <laughs> so big. It's coming out my ears. Oh, and your mouth. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So, so uh, what's, what's been happening with you? Um, yeah, I'm in a down cycle, I would say. You know why? Because it's winter time and I am a hibernator and this is always when we get sick, you know. Yeah. Back injury, check. Arthritis, check. (laughs) Flu, arthritis, check, check. So, you know what? The the sun will shine again. Spring will come. It will. It will. So, you know, I have that mindset always. Yeah, uh, you when know, you're in a down cycle, it will c- get better. Uh, we can all agree that that when it's really cold, it it sucks. And we, we're Southern people. We don't. Yeah, we, just, we don't cotton to that. <laughs> we don't uh, cotton to that. That sounds racist somehow. Uh, you, you know, everybody cotton has cotton is, in their house. I can't co- say that the is a resource fabric. I can't say that the resource is in in itself. Oh, I think it is sentient and. I think it is. Has judgments and opinions. Although, you know. Cotton does have balls. Uh, ah. Wow. I I can't believe we had to get here for that. <laughs> and that's the show. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. Uh. Uh, all right. So, you know, that stuff and then life, of course, because we still life go to work. Yeah, we still we, we go to work mostly. And uh, well, I can I can at least deal with the cold a little better knowing that my my uh, progeny. My son oh, yes. uh, is currently in Alaska. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, and those those pictures make it really sets you straight. You know something, folks? Alaska is lousy with mooses. Uh, yes, there are, and they they look aggressive. And he said, "I couldn't get a closer shot." I was like, "I didn't want you to get a closer no, don't shot." Don't get closer. They are huge. <laughs> they are huge, and, and if there were big and they look pissy, large right. groups of them, I would be a little nervous. I didn't about see a that. squirrel with any of them, though. Which is weird. I've all, well, I've always associated a moose with a squirrel, and uh, you know that's because of your your years, dear. That's showing your age. Yeah, I'm sure. Anyway, so for, for you young people, there used to be a show called the Rocky and Bullwinkle Show, <laughs> and there was a moose. I'm sure. Do you think Nickelodeon still shows it somewhere? Somewhere out in the ether, <clears throat> it's being shown. I'm sure it is, but you I don't think a it. lot of people would even understand it because there were so many references that were current at that time. Mm, okay. That 
you know, I think it's probably well, not going to Well, why don't you return to the current then? Anyway, so uh, anything else going on in the area? In the area, we did have a little a little strangeness. Nothing ever happens out here. I mean, fire things and things like that. Right. Nature things, but sure. human things, it's pretty quiet. That's why we live in the country. That's why I live off the road. And, and I, I, I'm just the kind of person, if somebody's coming up my driveway and they didn't call me or text me, I'm, I'm curious. And you know, getting a gun. And getting a little suspicious. <laughs> well, so the dogs and I were outside, and usually I have one but not both. And, and one's on a leash and one is not. Bella is a leashed dog and because uh, I can't trust her. And she's fast. And Otto, of course, being his little dachshund body self, is short, and I can catch him mostly. So when somebody pulled up and pulled all the way up, like to where we park, and an old kind of POS—they had the audacity to drive yes, all the all way, the way up, up the driveway. It's oh a, my god! Yes, it's a long driveway, and pull right up to where I was. Like they passed my driveway, they looked up, they saw that I was outside, they backed up, and then came up my driveway. So now I know they had no real intention. Of actually coming to my house. Nothing good can come of this. So a a tall man, a tall white man with no teeth, begins talking to me while both of the dogs are barking. Otto is going crazy. Bella is is trying to get out of my arms, and I can't understand a damn thing he's saying. <laughs> but he has a menu in his hand. I have a question. What yes. kind of, What kind of car were they driving? It was a POS. It was like a Dodge Caravan or something. I don't know. I don't but, know. But it was the model was POS? Yes. Okay. Yes. You know. Oh, you know, I do. I do. Pre, uh, I don't know, 2005. Not, not a pedo van. Pedo vans don't have windows in the back. This no, no. I was back. very clear on that when you said that yeah. to the officer. This ultimately it <laughs> ended in an officer call. I, well, here, here's, here's my reasoning. And what um, a nice officer. Oh, couldn't couldn't get better. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, we'll get there. We'll get there. So he's got a laminated menu in his hand. I don't have my glasses on, but it looks like a barbecue menu. You know the colors, the the bright reds and browns, and and I think I see a giant B at the top of the menu, and they've got a vinyl sign on the back of one of the windows one not both i don't think it was on both sides and uh he's so i didn't know how to get out of it so i said i'm sick i've been really sick and i started coughing and i backed up <laughs> and he backed up and got in his van Smart and left man. so because he was unmasked <laughs> no yeah he was unmasked that's how i knew he had no teeth Oh, good point. Yeah. But I don't understand if you're trying to sell lunches out of your van. Or whatever he was selling. Or whatever he know. was selling. No, I'm not 100% on what he had on that laminated menu. Um, but why was he the spokesperson? It should have been the woman in the car. Perhaps she had a better um, Maybe she had way few, of communicating. Fewer teeth. Well, I, no, he had none. He had them out. The point is. Yeah. He came up our driveway. Got out, tried Accosted to. Accosted you. Uh, yes, spoke at me while my dog. Talked were. at you. How dare he. And uh, and I got out of it using COVID. Yeah, there you go. Thank That's you. A, thank, thank you, COVID. Thank you, COVID. You gave me something. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was at home. You were concerned. Yeah, you but came I was, out. You I was knew nothing the about of, it. Of the house. Uh, I didn't know how you didn't the hear office. the ruckus. I didn't hear the ruckus because uh, I had my headphones on probably. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, when I walked out the door, I saw the van driving down the road. A dead end road. A dead end road. Uh, I, I'm assuming to go and try to sell to other uh, <laughs> residents, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, uh, you're going to knock on doors and try to sell lunches. Sure, and what it was the, the business was called Cannibal Cuts. Is it <laughs> <laughs> serving the best in Long Pig? Secrets in the meat. <laughs> uh, but anyway, first of all. It, you know, kudos to anybody who's got the guts to go up people's well, driveways. Well, I don't and, understand how many you could possibly sell, because I would think most people would have the, a similar response to me. What are you doing here? Why are you in my driveway? Get away. And why are you trying to sell me and, food out Yeah, the back out of, of your van, van out yeah. of your POS van. Yeah. It wasn't even a nice, like, business. But the way I look at it is, what a perfect cover for just driving up people's driveways to so see what's we, out So we jump immediately stealing. to the paranoia. Of, of course. course. Yeah. Are so. we not Americans? We're paranoid, okay? <laughs> so, well, no, you went down the road to take the trash, and you talked and to the— And they never came back out. Not that we talk, saw. And talked to the mail person and, and found out that these people have been driving around all over the place so that's attempting just, to sell their, their cannibal but cuts. you would and, have to cut your losses and get out because there, it couldn't be a good profit. You're no. burning gas. 
You're burning gas, so that's costing you money. If right. you actually have food, that's your you've got food costs. And I've seen where people have suggested that they were selling like steaks and, and um, stuff. No, well, again, that's usually a truck with a freezer in the back. Yeah, I, and, that I've experienced. And I don't that. do that either. I don't do that either. No, but I, I'm not as paranoid about them. Anyway, so Look, you, you, I've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. I know the secrets in the meat. I'm not buying food out of a truck out of a truck that a comes man. to me. Now, if it's a food truck on the side of the road, I suppose it could still be cannibal cuts. But <laughs> but you're more willing. But I'm more willing to give it the shot. You have because, a trust level there. Well, they've they've got a website. They've got they've got <laughs> okay. a Facebook All right. page. So so anyway, so that's that's your your rabbit hole. And if 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 somebody comes down my driveway and steals something and they're driving a white van then we know it was you wanted to in have fact, reported a it ruse and and that so other so and, other people in the neighborhood so i went ahead and called the sheriff's department and it turned and out filed a report it, it was a pleasant encounter it, it was, was a pleasant former encounter inst- a, a former student with a former student as uh, so often happens who is a, a well uh just a wonderful person yes and, he is and a, he is a, a wonderful great, person a great officer a good example of the Beauregard Parish Sheriff's Department. There you go. Couldn't say more. Uh, always. And I don't want to say more because, um, well, I don't want to <laughs> say names. Suspicious. I don't want to say names, though. Well, of course. I don't have ex- Anyway, he knows who he is. He knows who so he is. So we've reported it like good little citizens. See something, say something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're going to the dark side. All right. So and if I see you littering, oh, I'm turning you. Consequently. Down. That's it for everybody. At things like that, as they do, before we started uh, working in here today, I locked the back door. I locked the doors. There you go. Because I can't hear if somebody comes in. I know the dogs would most likely hear because they hear everything and uh, let us know something was up, but I don't want to be startled. Yes. Yes. Being startled so, is terrible. So that's the result of, of odd encounters with humans when you live in the country. Odd encounters with animals, yes. That happens All right. a lot. Well, enough about that. So what, what, what are we talking about today? Well, we, 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 got, we got into this topic because of everything that's going on actually right now and with it, COVID. It's coming into and the it, language we, a lot. We, we came back to it, and that is the idea of the tipping point. Yes. Uh, a book that was made famous uh, several years ago, actually. Oh, like 2000. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. But it, I tell you what, it made a name for the guy. The guy has his own podcast oh, now. Oh, yeah. And, and people still use it for business and, and marketing. Right. And it's Mal- Malcolm Gladwell wrote The Tipping Point, How Small Events Can Have Big Effects yes. or something along those lines. <laughs> uh, anyway, but the idea of The Tipping Point, I don't. it's not new. Oh, certainly not. Certainly not. And, As everything in society is is right. some kind of melding of other things. But what made The Tipping Point interesting as a book was it did point out some things that it made you think about things in a different way. That reaching a tipping point is often very much, as Malcolm Gladwell put it, very much like a virus. The way yes. it spreads. Yes, and I think we talked about that when we did the uh, the episode about memes that spread like viruses because right. they they cause they cause change. Sure, just like a tipping point causes you know and unstoppable then, change. And then we started thinking about tipping points in history, and those moments where big changes came because of a, a what could could have been a minor incident, and then things just ballooned <laughs> out of control. And so we're going to talk about the past, a couple of examples or tipping points in the past. I'd like to talk about, though, also tipping points and how they can you recognize tipping points? Oh, we'll so that you that. can make so that and that's the idea is that you're better informed. So you have a better understanding of things. You make better decisions. Well, invariably, all tipping points, at least as far as I know, when you go to look them up, they're something they're being looked at from the from the now to the past. Very rarely you can have people say, Hey, this is going to be a tipping point, but you don't really know. Yeah. There's no way to know. My question is, can you, can you know you're in a tipping point moment? Oh, recognize that it's can happening. You recognize well, sure. It's I, actually, happening. I think now more than ever, because things are changing so rapidly. We have so many things that seem to hit that point of critical mass. I mean, that's the. But remember, it has to have great change. Whatever well, yeah, that it, point it's is. so it explains how ideas spread like ec- epidemics, and which few elements need to come together to help an idea reach the point of critical mass where its viral effect becomes unstoppable. 
Right. You can't go back. So it's a it's a gravity point, right? We all know where the fulcrum is, and and you're on balance. And I that's balance is key to everything. So it's a, a point where things get out of balance. Yeah. And so I guess we'll start this by as we always do by going to the past. Well, sure. And there are so many tipping points in the past that are available to anybody who bothers to look at it, at it. But I, I found two that I really think are interesting. Okay. And it's uh, because I think the tipping points are often, I think they're mistaken. I think that the tipping point that is often identified for this particular incident actually happened much sooner than they realized. Oh, okay. But the first one is, and for you folks who don't like history, well, sorry, but we're going back to England to 1066, the conquest <laughs> of England by William the Conqueror, better known to his friends and neighbors as William the Bastard. I'm sure they um, said it to his face all the time. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do that. But uh, William was uh, William of Normandy claims, and it seems the history does seem to back up his claim that he was promised the crown of England, uh, and that caused a real problem when uh, when William didn't get the crown. Harold Godwinson took the crown. It was a, it was, there was no, there was no heir to the King of England. England at this time is Anglo-Saxon. Okay. They speak, well, a form of English, (laughs) a very Germanic English. Uh, William, of course, speaks French. He's from Normandy, which is across the channel. William was so upset by not being given the crown as he had been promised by the old king that he decided he was going to go take that crown. So that's that's the story. And we, we all know the Norman conquest of England led by William the Conqueror. It took about five years for him to actually do this. And the, the, the battle, I guess, is probably where we talk about the change. The change. And that's always or always the, the tipping start point. of the change is actually what it is. It's, right. It's what ignites the change. And we've always said a battle of Hastings. Yeah. The battle of Hastings. Uh, and many people even say that the tipping point at the battle of Hastings was a single arrow that pierced Harold's eye that caused him to fall. And once he was done, that's it. His army kind of just fell apart. Yes. And it's a long battle. It was a, it, and we can get it. We're not going to get into the whole battle specifics. No, you're not. And but one of the things that I think is really interesting is that the entire incident is still a tipping point for England because the entire structure of England from top to bottom was kind of turned on its ear. So they were already in a a bit of chaos because you're always going to have that chaos. Well, there was an Anglo-Saxon elite and they're going to be completely replaced by Normans, all French speakers. Okay. The ruling apparatus had been spread out amongst several leaders in England. William doesn't like that. <laughs> He's going to reduce the number of people in the ruling positions and centralize his power far tighter. Okay, well, probably a good restructuring um, probably needed to be done. He also restructured the church. He replaced all of the Anglo-Saxon bishops with French-Norman bishops. Now their and their practice of Christianity was different. Yeah, it was a more, well, for want of a better word, warlike uh, Christianity. <laughs> a little militant. A little more militant. Okay, right. like Jesuits. Um, and the 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 centers of church power in England were in the countryside. William moves them to the urban centers, mm. and also began the building of castles. So at bringing everything in. Correct. Centralizing Centralizing everything. it. Yeah, all right. Uh, started, so, started building Mott and Bailey all right. castles all over England. So what's, what's the... And we get feudalism. Yes. He brings feudalism to England, which had a, some, a loose form of feudalism, but it was not the tight European style of feudalism with the manorial system and everything else. So it's an improvement. It is an improvement. And it is a major tipping point because the legal system of England the religion of England, the language of England, all rapidly change because of this invasion by William the Conqueror. There's but no I, w- I would say it was his actions that, that really caused that change, though, because had he just come in and continued status quo or just been a bad ruler and not 
done did the things he did, those are what the power was. Right. But I there's a tipping point that people often ignore, and I think this is the fun part of this. When William finally got wind that allowed him to sail across the channel and get to England. Yeah. And they finally get to England. Uh, you know, as as people will, they're all wondering, well, I wonder how this is going to go. I wonder what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. William burned the ships. Oh, so they couldn't go. You ain't leaving. <laughs> <laughs> his, well, see, again, it's his decision making. But, it, but he's, he's the he's responsible of the tipping so point. He's the, he's the fulcrum that, that moves everything. Correct. He is, he is the guy. He yeah. is, he's the guy that makes this happen. But this tipping point has long-reaching effects for well, hundreds and hundreds of years. None of the later kings of England would have been kings if William hadn't have done this. The entire history of England was changed because of this one thing, which was, I want that crown. Him winning that battle. And him winning the battle because of an archer and a lone arrow. But <laughs> Divine intervention, but he, maybe. Uh, but we also get... You know, we get a lot of good things out of this, though. Tipping points don't have to be bad. Oh, absolutely not. And we get absolutely we get not. the Domesday, uh, basically the audit yeah, of the, the entire audit of English the, countryside. What do I have now? Everything. What do I own? But see, that, that really shows you the kind of thinker he was and the kind of manager he was. Well, and wanting to know exactly what he owned. Because yeah. that was the other thing. In England prior to William, the land was owned by many people. Mm-hmm. But in William's mind, the king owns all. All Everything. the land, and you give it out as favors to your most loyal subjects. You know course, your warriors. Of course, that's how the system works. <laughs> that's no, how it goes. Not anymore. So yeah, because I mean, now we're like moving into what the third, fourth revolution, and you know, of of uh, society. Uh, revolutions. You mean yeah. like agricultural? Well, revolution, yeah, going from uh, hunter gatherer to agriculture, yeah. agricultural. Well, I think they're saying we're in the third industrial age. We are. Now. We're in the third right now. It started in '69. Nuclear power, microelectronics, space, biotechnology, all of the convergence of information, the rise of the internet. But now, I mean, aren't we moving into something else? It might be so. I don't know. Yeah. What was your second? You had a second. I did. And, and now this is still the history, but we're going to move way, way forward. Well, if people don't want to hear history, then they can fast forward uh, or they can tune Go out. listen to a murder podcast, I guess. Sure. There's, that That's always being replenished. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of them. History is always happening, murder. too, I guess. It's but a growth industry. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, it's, oh, it has to do with uh, the Civil War. All right. If you ask somebody, if you ask somebody, you know, hey, what's the southern thing? What's uh, what's the tipping point uh, that helped bring about the Civil War? And most people will go, well, it was the attack on Fort Sumter, and after that, the Civil War took off. Yeah, well, see, (laughs) Fort Sumter may have been just part of the results of a tipping point. Ah, and oh, we talked about this the other day, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But. The tipping point for the Civil War may have happened well before the Civil mm-hmm. War. And it has to do with something that occurred before the before the Civil War. In fact, 20 years before the Civil War, more or less, 15. And it was the Mexican-American War. The Mexican-American War, which uh, was happening in the 1840s, uh, we had a problem. And the problem was, during the Mexican-American War, President Polk... In 1846, proposed this crazy idea that we would allocate money to purchase any territory from Mexico as war reparations. So, in other words, since we kind of started the war, kind of, the idea was we're going to take your land, but we're going to pay you for it. We're not paying you what it's worth. It's not going to give you market value, but we're going to give you something. But we're going to we're going to give you money. Shut up and be happy. Right. It is well known that Polk engaged in the war with Mexico specifically to gain territory. There's oh, no he saw some land, it. he wanted it, and he right. went after it. Okay. But with this, with him saying, hey, we'll pay you for the land we're taking, <laughs> he's pretty much admitting that that's the whole reason he did it. Polk right? the Conqueror. Polk the Conqueror. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so they tried to get the bill passed really quickly, and it didn't pass. Uh, and the reason was because of a guy named David Wilmot. All right. What was David's issue? David Wilmot had just a few minutes to talk about the bill, and he proposed an amendment 
that as an express and fundamental condition to the acquisition of any territory from the Republic of Mexico, that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall ever exist in any part of said territory. Okay, so he, no slavery. He wants no slavery in so it's the a new free, states. So it's a free state. Are they're think, all free states. Think about where the states are. We're talking about a good chunk of Texas. We're talking about New Mexico, uh, Arizona, and Southern California. All right. All of those areas are south of the line that was created under the Missouri Compromise and later uh, and later will be even more into in created under the Compromise 1850 but that doesn't really matter. The point is that there was <laughs> already an agreement yeah. that anything south of this line which was the would be would be slave states. Right. So we could keep a balance cuz balance is important unless you're talking slavery. Yeah. And then and this became to... known as the Wilmot Proviso. Okay. Well, the Wilmot Proviso may very well be the tipping point. The tipping point. point. Yeah, because you just you just gave them how many states. Well, cuz you and not only that, but it, at the moment he did it, this is when all of the discussion of slavery was really starting to reach a boiling point. But because of how he did it, jumping on Polk's bill <laughs> and attaching an He's amendment. piggybacking. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Democrats were split uh, between Northern and Southern Democrats over this proposal. Oh, sure. Before, Democrats in the North would always align themselves with Southern Democrats for, and, and that gave them power, yeah. gave the Southern Democrats actual political power, even though they didn't have the numbers. The numbers, yes. And because of this, this would have been viewed by the South as trying to subjugate northern or Southern interests for Northern interests. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to make sure that slavery could expand so they didn't lose their membership or their numbers in Congress, their numbers in the Senate. A lot wrote on it. A lot wrote on yes. this. And uh, so they, uh, they attempted to try to fix this, and it passed in the House. All right. The Wilmot Proviso uh, passed in the House. Uh, but the Senate, which was controlled by the South, did not, would not. <laughs> no. In fact, they didn't even they didn't even let it come to a vote at first. But the the problem was this put in the heads of Americans, both North and South, that it was clear that they were going to try to to stop any expansion of slavery from yeah. anywhere other than where it already existed. Yeah, it wasn't going to go any further. And it's not a big leap to say, well, if they're willing to do that, mm-hmm. then they're also willing to take away slavery. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It opened the possibility up. And the the folks in the South who benefited from slavery, mm-hmm. which were the, the rich and elite, regular people did not benefit from slavery because they they were poor. Yeah. And you're not good. Your labor is not going to be worth anything as long as you've got slaves. Willing, we're doing the yeah, work. Yeah, doing the work. So that, you know, that was a whole different so that changed Thank economics. Um, well, again, yeah, it would change economics, but it changed the discussion of slavery from a political and party issue to a regional issue. Mm-hmm. It made it made slavery an issue of geography more so more than- so than party, and it allowed the split of the Democratic Party. In such a way that by the time we get to 1860, the 1860 election, the Democratic Party actually has two different candidates, a Southern Democrat and a Northern and Democrat. And a Northern Democrat. And so that allows Lincoln to win. Yeah, because they split on their end. And, of course, we all know what happened then. The South seceded <laughs> from the Union, and eventually it all went to crap. It all went <laughs> to the theater. <laughs> eventually. It they eventually, all went to the theater. And eventually somebody asked Mrs. Lincoln, how, other than that, how was the play? Uh, you had to do that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Why? Because uh, I love that joke. I still think it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's sad is what it is. Poor Lincoln's wife. Yeah, she was crazy. <laughs> yeah, she was she actually. Was <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we don't need to go to Mary Todd. Let's, let's and, let that poor lady lay. Well, the abolition movement had not moved at all. The, the abolitionists barely existed in the 1840s, but because of this fight, yeah. it galvanized people. Well, in the it North. changed it changed the the discussion in people's minds socially Correct. and and then it opened it up and well, 
That and, happens in society. It was a breaking, it, a tipping point. Yes. Yeah, but in history, we always talk about like the Civil War. We don't really bring up the Wilmot Proviso much. No, it's true. But you it don't. was a small event that created huge ramifications for the next 15 years that yeah. eventually led well, to the Civil War. Yeah. Um, it just all came to a breaking point, and they couldn't. <laughs> that right. was it. Because most people. It set them on a path. Most people picked the election of Lincoln. That's, yeah. That's the moment. Yeah. But you know it wasn't. De- that election, it must have Lincoln been. probably couldn't have won if not for the Wilmo Proviso causing all of the trouble that it did and splitting everything. the Democrats. Because, yeah, because everybody would have been firmly in, in, in uh Trenched in their ideas. I mean, Lincoln didn't win the popular vote. I mean, he didn't win a majority. And he, all right. All right. Uh, so, so that's anyway, interesting. Yes. So there you go. That's a tipping point, uh, a more recent history. <laughs> more recent. Well, I guess in yeah, the grand... Yeah, 1066 to, you know, yeah. to, to 1800. You, mo- you moved it up some. I moved it up some. Eight, yeah. 800 years or so. All right. All right. So do you want to discuss the word tipping point itself and how society has come to use it? I mean, we always like to talk about the language and... Yeah. Um, or, or do you want to talk about the World Wide Web? And <laughs> well, th- that certainly the World Wide Web is probably why we discuss the tipping point even more. Or, or why I it's say come? Why it's come points. back into favor? Right, why, like you know, because when I first read the book, not long after it came out, because I was working at the airline and I found it in the back of somebody's seat. You know, when you were cleaning the airplane. When I was cleaning the airplane after the last flight came in. Yeah, I remember you bringing it home and reading it. Yeah, and it, it was, was really interesting. very interesting. And, and, and I've, how many times we've referenced it over the years anyway. So I think it was like 2000. Well, it built Malcolm Gladwell's career. I mean, it really did. Oh, um, yeah. It, 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 was, it caught fire. Well, I like the way he looks the, at things the book, and, and the brings it down to. The book, was a tipping point <laughs> in his career. Yes. <laughs> we have them in our lives and we have them in society. We have them in, in the world. I mean, yeah. the planet even goes through them. Good Lord, climate tipping points. You well, can't. You you can't research tipping points without wading through the. the well, we'll, we'll get to those yeah. at the very end. All right. So, so the word itself first came into um, usage in you know public writings, mostly in newspaper stories. Uh, there's one reference in 1894 uh, from the Santa Cruz Daily Sentinel, and there's one from 1902 from Rockford, Illinois newspaper, and both of them in references to cars. Uh, another lifted, uh, another lift raised the car almost to the tipping tipping point uh, when the chief discovered the ruse and galloped amidst the strikers who quickly scattered. So I assume it was some sort of riot in the streets of striking people, workers. Oh, yeah. yeah I don't get That's anything more like. out of context for that. I just get like this little paragraph. Um, the other one had to do with a car also being toppled over without a moment's warning. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, 1894 and 1902, they're talking about it literally, right? The tipping point when gravity shifts and yeah. you lose it <laughs> and you can't, you know, no, no. not, not metaphorically like, you know, the tipping point in a marriage where, you know, you know, those stories where the old man or the old woman, you know, offs the other one and they're like in their nineties, you know, there was just a, a tipping point there. Where there some, had to be. Somebody said, ah, that's it. I'm Done. Done. <laughs> I can't take it no more. Anyway, so <laughs> metaphoric tipping points and, uh, you know, literal. Then then we jump forward in time to the 1950s and 60s where there's a huge uh, ruckus going on in America. What kind of ruckus? A ruckus. Could you describe it, the yeah, ruckus? Yeah, it was, it was a, a ruckus in the streets. Americans. Uh, oh. Yes, yes. Americans were having an- another cultural shift in thought and when was this well the 1960s the late Uh. 50s 1960s so the term then became widely used the tipping point however not for a really good thing well yeah that's uh that's kind of what i had seen yeah do you want to take that do you want to well (laughs) do you want to handle that one uh i can well Uh, so i assume it happened first in the real estate uh industry uh, again for for purposes of explaining the what i'm about to say remember tipping point is defined as a critical point in a situation process or system yep beyond which a significant and often unstoppable effect or change will take place and the the phrase is, is attributed to gladwell a lot however as as you just pointed out 
That's no, no, we've needed. been using it. Right, and and the tipping point really refers to a glass of water on the coin in the, one way. Yeah, or the other. yeah, where it's going to fall. Right. So anyway, um, the fact is that the tipping point, the term, the phrase, the tipping point, uh, yeah, it has some kind of dark connotations. Oh, it's not that. <laughs> just uh, just do it. We well, were a different people then. We were a different country with a different mindset. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, when tipping point first began to be employed in general use, it was almost entirely in reference to the propensity of white families to move out of an area when a certain percentage of the neighborhood was composed of black families. It served as a precursor of sorts to the phenomenon that is now known as white flight. Um, Some white parents may reluctantly accept integration to the point of 10 to 15%. Exactly when the tipping point of white acceptance will be reached will depend upon the attitude of the individual white parents and upon the general white community attitude. That was from the New York Times in 1959. Yeah. Uh, The percentage of minority occupancy that initiates withdrawal of other tenants has been denominated as, quote, the tipping point. So so the law review here from uh, the University of Pennsylvania, they make it to be like this is the definition of what it is. Yes, yes, I know. Yeah. Um, and under Michigan Law Review, 1960, then at this tipping point, which varies considerably in different situations, the remaining whites tend to abandon an area quickly. Um, and finally, my this one from the Pittsburgh Courier, 1962. Oh, this is, yeah. And I let me read it in my, my other voice. He was told that he was welcome in Village Creek, but not on Split Rock Road because his moving there would upset the delicate racial balance since Negro occupancy had already reached the tipping point, which might turn Split Rock Road into a ghetto if another Negro family moved in. Can you imagine? 1962. Just, oh, I'm sorry, we've reached our point. One more black family, and, and, they and it's just going to turn into a, an urban ghetto. Well, there's no urban. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so. So it, it kind of, I, I guess it kind of went out of favor then, and now we've come to generalize the term again. Maybe we've let that, we've let that definition um, lay, <laughs> well, lapse. What I, what I think is funny is it says uh, in in the de- dictionary, says tipping point is what is referred to as an open compound noun. Yeah, I know. I went down and read all that too. Yeah, and I think it's kind of interesting that we now have uh, the ability to use other terms that, you know, boiling point, the breaking point, oh, the yeah, flash yeah. point, all of those mean the same thing. Yeah. The, to, they do. Because the boiling point, the moment you hit it, Water bubbles, right? Yeah. Flashpoint. It changes. Unstoppable change. Unstoppable change. It's reached critical mass. But there were people who got upset about the name of the the book, Tipping Point. I mean, there were people. Oh, I don't remember all that. that, that, Well, no, this has been more recent that they're upset about it. That they don't like the idea that the term was used. For, oh, for the yes, the, for the book, like he could have used something else. Well, so it's almost uh, city planning. Yeah, I, I don't know. City planning and, and the... Uh, bro, uh, but think about this. Real estate agents, those would be the two that it would affect the most? Well, think about... In, in the book, Tipping Point, Gladwell talks about New York crime. Yeah. And he talks about how it skyrocketed in the 60s and 70s, and then in the 90s began coming down. And it, he said, Yeah, they actually brought it back. And he, he talked about why the that fact, happened. And it was factors. the broken window theory primarily, mm-hmm. which was they began to concentrate on small crimes because that's where big crimes come yeah, from. The idea basically. is that if you if you in a neighborhood let a house become dis, in disrepair and broken then windows, other houses around then, uh, it will, then everybody sees, that the element sees that you don't take care of it. There's no maintenance here. Right. And, but here's my question. So now. then it puts the neighborhood into chaos. It throws you into, into a, a state of constant, you know. But the question that I have is crime in New York did go way, way down, but now it's on the rise again. Yeah. And at the same time, we have a big push to ignore low level criminality. That, that and, and. So is that, was Malcolm Gladwell a hundred percent correct that you have to deal with the small crimes well, to isn't, prevent the big crimes. Isn't that what you think is apparent? Isn't that how we raise the kids? 
it's it's looking like you look at you you stop the small stuff so it doesn't become the big stuff because yep. when they get to be 12 13 you're screwed but we have a we have a nation of, so you got to take it when they're little yeah you gotta you gotta be hard on them for you know yeah well we got a nation of attorney generals though that think that, that yeah the way to do smack them on the wrist <clears throat> or, slap or them on the wrist and in perfect example local example recent very recent we had a hit and run that cost the life of a child. Oh, yes. We also had a bust on I-10 of a man driving from California with a ridiculous amount of weed in his car. <laughs> he did. But here's the thing. The guy who killed someone and had a suspended license, by the way, yeah, his bail was $85,000. The man who was driving with weed... Three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, and and it was legal where he came from, right? And what does that tell you then about the about view? which is is valued the most? Clearly, the law looks at the weed as being somehow worse yeah. than the death of a child. And if that's the case, then we've reached a tipping point in the wrong direction in, in our judicial system, right? In our criminal system, yeah. So you know, well, um, you know. Talking about that and it a massive disruption is always follow is always followed by these tipping points, right? As like when we move from one revolution to the next, as we are now moving into it more in uh, you know automated, sure, going technological to automated robots, robots, Just robots. Yeah. Okay, so AI becoming part of it ourselves, you know. The Borg were being assimilated. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so what happens during that transition time, right? A massive disruption has always been after the shift when you have to move from one thing to the next. To take us from oil dependency to electricity dependency or whatever they're going to use, solar, whatever the hell we're going to be doing in 25 years. Oh, they better get get going. Well, that's what that, but we're in the chaos that has to happen during that time. Because usually it used to be that, that tipping points, when you recognize them, they, they were sort of organic. They happened. Yeah, you can see it occurring. And, and now we've got people who are setting positions that will cause a tipping point of one kind or another. Constantly, because there's so much interaction globally sure. of people. And and social media and is so, part of yeah. that. Oh, absolutely. Because any idea can so, spread virally now. So, oh, that's it. Exactly. To critical mass. <laughs> and it's unstoppable. And, yeah. and it, it takes literally no time at well, all. Well, our me- memes are perfect examples of that. Well, think about that woman that got on the plane in England to go to South Africa. Oh, yeah, and well, she made a joke while on the plane. Hope I don't get AIDS. And by the time she landed, the- by the time she landed in South Africa, she was hated worldwide. The whole world hated her. And talk about a tipping point. You've been canceled. Boy, there's a there's a tweet you wish oh, you could take back, right? That's so sad. Well, I wonder how you know tw- Twitter should do that. They should put like because we all have like a thirty a, minute I think window before it publishes. <laughs> what are you sure you want this? Yeah, yeah but she would have turned. Sure, her, you don't want to take this back. She would have turned her phone off anyway, so it right, wouldn't have mattered. Point. It would have gone out. It absolutely would have gone out. All right. And so finally, the tipping point thing, uh, it was COVID and climate that both got us really on this. And have we reached the tipping point of the COVID epidemic? And what I mean by tipping point is not how many people will get sick. Yeah, That not number the, is still ridiculously the... high. It, but here's the weird thing. Countries are basically just and nothing's changing. Up. They've stopped everything. They, they're and, giving and up. The numbers. Britain are, got yeah. rid of masks. They got rid of all the the, the things that go against so, it uh, to fight COVID. And they're just like, well, you know, you're on your own. You think society I mentally think just said that's it? We can't do it anymore. But but there'll always be a faction. Well, they are. There is a faction. It's the it's the vaccine versus anti-vaccine. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so it's given us another division. Think about how hard the government worked to convince people that this untried and unproven vaccine and you can people can you know already i I can hear it now he must be an anti-vaxxer no i'm not an anti-vaxxer i just uh, know in the history of vaccines that we usually spend a little more time making sure they're safe but you know what we eat the chemical laden food we breathe the air we we drink the water it you know yeah if you're if you're willing to eat a twinkie the vaccine probably be okay. I'm sure that's a meme, isn't it? Uh, it might be. <laughs> probably. It's a Twinkie this big. <laughs> it feels like something I've read. Okay. But have we reached that tipping point with COVID? Are we all uh, just ready now to say, well, 
Or is everybody... We're going to accept the number of deaths. I think... I and think we're just going to go on with our lives. We're all just kind of waiting for the next one. Oh, the next one? You know, even if we kind of settle into a whatever... Like they hit us with the stealth Omicron. Well, that something else comes along, yeah. But that we're forever... I mean, we've been jaded, like me locking the door because yeah. that guy showed up yesterday. Well, COVID showed up and we're we're ready to not to open the door ever again. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, no, I'll, I'll still open my door. Well, it depends on what time it is <laughs> and, it, and it depends on how I'm dressed uh, and uh, it depends on who's at the door. I'll open the door with my shotgun. And then the other tipping point that we hear all the time now <laughs> to wrap this up. Because we're we're going to wrap this up. Are you going to wrap this up? What about your what? All right, do it. What I was just going to say. What about people's personal tipping points in their lives, where their life changes rapidly, and it's unstoppable. Well, because that happens in people's lives too. Example. Um. You make one bad decision, <laughs> yeah. you just, and it results you, in altering you, you neglect, your life. You, you neglect to take that special pill, I mean, and nine months later, tipping point. <laughs> well, you got to not take it for more than one night. Well, I, I realize I mean, that. Okay, you're unless on, you're on antibiotics, an, an antibiotics, then you might be screwed <laughs> in more ways than one. Um, <laughs> I saw. Speaking of that, I saw a meme today. It's just it's a lady standing next to her children, and they're all numbered, and it goes from ten all the way down to one, and one is over her belly. Okay. So that many kids. Yeah. And all it said underneath was this: the husband couldn't pull out of the driveway. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Tipping point. Why did you have to share that? <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh, you man. Laugh. And laughed and laughed. Um, Here's the thing. When we were researching Tipping Point, there's there's some good stuff. But I will tell you that the number one thing that is associated with the Tipping Point now when you go to do research is climate. It is nothing but climate. It's hard. If you type in Tipping Point in history, climate is the fourth choice. Oh, yes. I I ran into that as well. So, one, that's people trying to convince us about the tipping point. That's Google pushing it? No, I, I think Google just simply follows the trend. Uh, I don't think Google's pushing anything. I don't know. Google pushes things at me all the time. But I don't think it's doing that. Uh, I think that... An ideology? You don't think You don't think Google has a has a oh, yeah, platform, a mindset, well, their ideology dogma? Their is, is to run the world. Well, I mean... So then why <clears throat> wouldn't they be pushing that agenda? Well, I'm... I'm not saying that they're pushing that agenda. What I'm saying is I think Google search results most of the time are, are simply a result of society. what people are searching for. Yes. Because I think lots of people probably like, type in, like today, have we reached a tipping point yet? You're looking at the story about the Anne Boleyn uh, Oh, yeah. Good example. Show. As soon as you type the word was, the first thing that comes up was, was Anne Boleyn Black. Right. There's a so a, people are asking a, that a new question. show coming on that's being labeled as history. However, it says historic drama. It says historic drama. Well, yes, historic drama. No is, drama. Well, it's it's fiction. It's a, that's <laughs> okay. what it is. All right, but basically, so. they've made in, in this in this, and this is an example, I guess, of an ideology sort of being pushed. I mean, I don't care, but don't I, call it history. Don't call it history. But anyway, so in the story, Anne Boleyn the second wife of Henry VIII, who has a horrible accident and her head falls off uh, with the help of a French swordsman. Well, that'll teach her not to have boys. Anyway, she's being played by a black woman in this new historical drama, and she also has a a romantic kissing scene with Jane Seymour, who was Henry VIII's third wife. So you're offended by all of it? I'm not offended. That's probably the wrong word to say. But... You're bothered. They, they are making the claim, the people who made the show are making the claim that the black woman who is playing Anne Boleyn, whose name I forget, it was simply the best actress for the part. Okay. And I say poppycock. There's no way. Oh, that it was like, it was don't like with to, the zombie flick, he, Romero. What's the old saying? Don't, don't, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 There's no way. So you think they did it just for <clears throat> hipness? They're doing it on purpose for, for nowness. Yes. Yeah, they want to be woke. They want to show how woke they are. That's part of their okay. <clears throat> All right. And again, don't care. 
not going to watch it. It might be entertaining. Don't care. <laughs> well, like just, in the show, in the show Bridgerton, <laughs> you did care when in you the show read Bridgerton it. they made Queen Anne yes. in England a black woman. Okay. However, there is some slight possibility that Queen Anne was in fact black or had part black. So it was part of the so that's story. Fine. But this one is. Uh, it's a little over the top for you? A little bit, yeah. All right. A little bit. Okay. Especially well. since we have a zillion paintings of Anne Boleyn. And, uh, <laughs> well, I guess I'm more bought. Well, no, I'm not. Okay, Google is out there to dispel these these types of, because people were searching that. Anyway. So somebody <laughs> wanted to know. So that was some poor child that needed to know the real history and find out she wasn't. And but my point is Google, is Google search results are often determined by <laughs> how many people look up a particular yes. thing. That's, Obviously, a lot of people. That's why when we watched, what was it we just watched recently that was clearly fiction, and then the first thing on Google. Oh, it, it was it true? Yeah. And um, it was like, was this based on a true story? Okay. And it's, and it's like what? you don't remember, so it doesn't. I don't. Matter. I don't remember it, yeah. but I was shocked that that was actually on there. It was like what? They <laughs> had to ask that. Um. So, in the climate tipping point issue, uh, what you've got is a bunch of scientists and well other people who may or may not be scientists who the heck knows all claiming that they know what the tipping point will be and these are tipping points caused at the moment the, the, basically if we reach a certain temperature this is what's going to happen and they're all predicting oh, their various yeah, yeah. tipping points well shouldn't it be the same well because yeah. the science is the same right they're all studying so the same we have uh, phenomenon several scientists number one is basically a shutdown of the atlantic circulation system that it will change completely the which will affect uh weather tremendously on both sides of the uh ocean yeah we have the second tipping point most voted on i guess <laughs> uh the second runner-up uh, the West Antarctic ice sheet will disintegrate. Well, we're starting to see that actually happen. Mm-hmm. Pieces are calving off, you know. Third, Amazon rainforest will die. Well, that's been on the decline because well, we're of burning it down. For, yeah, deforestation and burning. Uh, the West African monsoon shift is another one. The one that bothers me the most, and if we hit this one, all bets are off. And that is the permafrost, the permafrost melt. Because what that will do is release incredible amounts of methane into the atmosphere. That's a tipping point that people are very afraid of, although it didn't make number one for some reason. Yeah, you would think that that would, because it's the air we breathe. We'd have to have some sort of apparatus and would not be able to just breathe the air. There is twice as much carbon in permafrost as there is in the Earth's atmosphere. Also, methane. Uh, and methane traps greenhouse gases and t- raises temperatures much better than carbon does. So if the permafrost starts to melt, then we're in big trouble. And so that's a major tipping point there. I don't know, maybe burn it? <laughs> set, set the permafrost on fire. I, I don't know. That's all terrifying. We don't want to think about that. We have the Greenland ice sheet melting, literally just coming apart and falling into the ocean. That would raise sea levels by seven meters. Translate. Oh, uh, 21 feet-ish. <laughs> 21 feet-ish. So apparently, Well, the, you know, anything after 15. Currently, the melting of the Greenland ice sheet is accelerating and adding about 0.7 millimeters, oh, so God. less than one millimeter to global sea levels each year. Okay. But hey, in 100 years... That's 100 millimeters is, is a reasonable amount of height. Uh, so, you can, know. Can we be done with these? I don't want to talk about yeah, them anymore. I know. Aren't they oh, fun? no. That's horrible. But these are all predicted and tipping I, points. And I can't do anything about any of it. Right. And except my own little world. So, the, But it's the small things, right? So people, well, that's cre- the question. people could create a tipping point. But that's the question, isn't it? It uh, is, but we'd all have to do it. But everybody has to get involved. Everybody. And the number one thing I hear. And, and we I, can't I even, even agree to, on the color of a dress on the Internet. I mean, right? no. I, and I continue to say it. If China and India aren't buying in, then nothing then we do in the West is going to make a difference. That's true. You know, we might be able to slow it down, but then again. But, but wouldn't it be like you start it? 
if America did it, maybe, you know. Well, how are we going to do it? I have no clue. I mean, GM says they're going to stop. No damn clue. GM says they're going to stop making uh, gasoline-powered cars in 2030. That would certainly cause a huge and rapid change and and chaos. But better question is. But that's the point. We're in the chaos of the transition anyway. Moving into the fourth and the fourth industrial revolution. I I think we're trying to create a change in society and how we live that our technology is not prepared to back up. I think that is absolutely true, but everything is moving at such a rapid pace. I think our young people, I think people today think that they can make it happen at a rapid pace, as rapid as everything else around them. You know, fast like, food, like fast food industry. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's kind of cliche now, but yeah, I, you know, well, it I is got, what it is. Our, our, they're used to everything happening quickly and, unicorn, and immediately. And, and, yes, and we'll all be living in, in the world with unicorn. Well, but and, that's it. The current buzz surrounding artificial intelligence, robotics, blockchain, and other exponential advances in science and technology drives speculations in areas you know like our jobless future, uh, human machine hybrids, space colonization. All you know, just. And yeah, and they say we're coming, we're coming to that, and because of that, we have a massive disruption. Uh, while these established sectors all either are eliminated and the new ones emerge, right? We're we're transitioning, sure. like a like a butterfly. You know what? All this stuff about climate's not going to matter anyway because we're gonna we're gonna have a world war. So, oh, did you? Why did you have to go there, Geelong? Nobody needs that. We need all right. We then, need balance. Then and, let's let's talk about something. With you got a, a positive tipping point? I do. Oh, okay. I do. The positive tipping Thank point you. of our American political system. Oh, you're being sarcastic. Hey. I can already hear it. The question is, can we come back from where we are right now? You can never go back. I don't know. You can never we better. go back. How can we go back? You can't put it back in the box. No, but I, can we... Can we ever get it back to where there is some way to compromise? Oh, yeah. Shut down the Internet. Between political parties in America. We have to not have the as internet's much. internet's not getting shut down. You can hang that. We up. have to not that is have. a pipe dream. Yeah, like, did you know it was from CERN? Okay, April 30th, well, 1993, the World Wide Web was launched in the public domain. There's a tipping That was point my tipping right point that yes. we never did because, you know. Time. History. Time. <laughs> Speaking of. Yes. But, you know, that CERN was responsible for that. So the scientist Tim Berners-Lee released the source code for the world's first web browser and editor, originally called Mesh. They they also created the first practical touchscreen so they could operate their super Yeah, collider. because they wanted to have the super collider. They wanted to connect with uh, others around right. the world in, in other, you know. It was to share scientific share information. Shine. But they, they let it go free. And naked right? pictures. Because <laughs> you have to have balance and you don't get science without naked pictures. I want to know when the first naked picture was sent on the Internet. Probably pretty quickly. I'll bet. I'll bet, I'll bet it was one of the, some of those little CERN boys. They probably drew it with like characters, mm, you know. Something. Yeah, Who yeah. Knows? They were making little obscene jokes sure, with with zeros sure. and ones. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like, we're thinking like we did the, with calculator. We're thinking the worst of eight, people. Stop it. <laughs> five eight zero zero eight spells boobs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you can do hello and yes. Yeah, but boobs. Uh, I know. I know. All right, that's All right. sad but true. Well, I guess we kind of kind of need to wrap this up. All right, so we, yeah, you because know, I think CERN would be a good place to leave it, and and just let you know people know. Look for your own tipping points in in your life. Exam- well, be aware. Yeah, that, that, decisions, that every that decision deci- could be exactly a tipping point that got us back here. Yeah, the the idea of film photography versus digital photography mm-hmm. and they didn't change olin mills stayed the same and we said we got to get out of that recognize that tipping. <laughs> we did actually recognize yeah that we recognized oh this is not going to be good because it's going to go digital yeah, there's this, no this company way. just spent every penny it had on film cameras when digital cameras were were on, on the, the brink yeah, yeah. so that was sad. any fool could read a photography magazine article and, oh, and by know the way it was uh, happen. textbook makers so that brought us back to the boot yeah all right <laughs> what about it textbook makers uh you might want to stop printing textbooks because they're not gonna be oh, around much yeah. longer 
Yeah. I really don't think. Uh, I think we proved that you don't need them. I mean, I think I love a textbook. I like having a textbook. I, I just too. had to print the entire first act of The but, Crucible. But trying to get kids to actually read a textbook? Holy, oh my gosh. In fact, that may be a tipping point that we just haven't really recognized yet. Oh, no, I have my own opinions about, about the education about tipping point. Well, about re- about everything, about what COVID's done to education. Well, we'll, we'll save that for yeah. another podcast. Has the COVID pandemic destroyed? It's It's had a mental mind shift. The just educational like, just system. like we talked about in those other two instances. Yeah. That culturally people have a different view. Especially okay. young people. Um, but but as you say, for another time. For another time. I yes. Okay. Okay. Write it down. Make make a note of it. <laughs> make a note. Let it be written and let it be done. <laughs> All right. Moses. Moses. <laughs> <laughs> all right well there you go the These tipping people. point man we, we did, appreciate you what did we solve today absolutely nothing nothing, nothing. well just people should be you know, on the lookout a, rest assured we'll continue not solving anything notice the patterns yeah just recognize yeah the patterns find your and, balance and oh and and don't forget the tipping point of a good meal in a restaurant Minimum 20%. 20%, people. 20%. <laughs> That's the tipping point. Remember, joy is portable. Bring it with you. That's right. Y'all have a great week and get ready for the cold weather this coming weekend. And I guess that's about it. Uh, long in the boot at gmail.com and 337-502-9011. And if you call the number and commit and actually dial the digits. Speak your piece. Don't hang up. Speak your piece. Say what you're going to say. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Uh, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. Y'all take care. Be kind. Long's out. To each other. That's right. Long's out.